by Passion Church, the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. Mr. Nicholas Mitchell, give him a round of applause. Amen. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to all our visitors. We're so thankful to have you guys here at Passion Church and here joining us. So like two days ago, um, my sister, my lovely sister sitting right here in front of me, Sarah, uh, she had called me up and they're like, hey, we just went through the Bojangles drive-thru. We got eight-piece chicken, family style. Come over to the house. I'm like, all right, let's do it. So I drive over to the house and uh, my dad's already home. They already got the chicken, mashed potatoes and gravy, macaroni and cheese sitting on the table already. And they're like, grab a plate. I'm like, okay. So I started eating. It was awesome. But like three weeks before that, they called me. They said, hey, come over. We're going to grab some lunch, right? And when I got there, the food wasn't ready. Because you know how it is with your family. They don't say like, you know, we're eating dinner at 6. They're like, come over around 6. So I get over there around 6, and they haven't started. Like the grill's not fired up. My dad hasn't put the hamburgers on the grill yet. Like, we're sitting around waiting. I'm getting hangry, right? Because it's like, it's 6. I just left the gym. It's 6 o'clock. I'm ready to eat dinner. Like, I am not in a good mood. I'm probably being mean to my family and stuff. I'm like, I am really, really hungry right now. Everybody's got a good view, right? Y'all can all see me. I know I'm tall sometimes a little bit, so I take it for granted that, like, I can sort of see where the speaker is and stuff like that. So I just want to make sure everybody got a good view. All right. So the point is that, we have certain expectations sometimes, right? We, as human beings, we get into these rhythms and these things where we think, hey, if somebody invites me over for dinner, I know I'm going to eat, right? But when it's with your family, it's like, oh, well, I didn't know I was going to have to wait an hour to wait to eat. It reminds me of that episode of The Office, the dinner party. They get there, and they're like, the slow roast is in the oven for four more hours, right? And they're like, oh, man, we're not eating dinner for four hours. That's how I feel sometimes. Um, and I kind of felt like that last Sunday, right? Last Sunday was kind of weird if you're not used to that sort of thing. You, you get, somebody invites you to church, you come to church, you're like, all right, there's going to be some songs like we had this morning, and then the preacher going to stand up, we might do a little prayer or something like that. Well, last Sunday was weird. Some people didn't know what was going on, right? Pastor guy was standing up here, but he didn't talk for like 10 minutes. People were just up here praying and stuff, and stuff was happening, and not everybody knew what was going on, right? So as humans, we expect certain things to happen, but like, just like today, you knew somebody was going to speak, but you didn't know I was going to speak sitting down, right? So we don't always know what to expect. Well, today I want to talk about why we go to the altar and what we should expect from coming to the altar of God. So a lot of you guys know me, you know I'm a high school teacher, right? So there's Teacher Nick and there's Preacher Nick. So right now I'm going to be Teacher Nick for just a second. So y'all get ready for the lesson, and then Preacher Nick will come back in about five minutes, okay? So everybody clear your desk, get out a blank sheet of paper, pencil, <laughs> write today's date at the top of the paper, June 5th, 2022, Mr. Mitchell's class, the title of today's assignment, Why Do We Go to the Altar, okay? So let's check it out. Why do we go to the altar? 
Well, in Hebrews 10.22, it says, not that because someone flipped my page over. In John 14, 15 through 17, it says, if you love me, obey my commandments and I will ask the father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. Another advocate who will never leave you. That's the Holy Spirit. Well, who's the first one? Jesus. How do I know that? Because I went to my life group this week and we're going through the book of First John and the devotion that we had said that Jesus was our advocate, which means he's on your side. He's praying for you. He's in your corner. He's got your back. He's fighting for you. So if I didn't go to my life group this week, I wouldn't know that Jesus is advocating for me on my behalf and Holy Spirit also is. So go to a life group. Life groups are important. You have fun. Last week, we were throwing cornhole at my house. This week, we're going to order some pizza. We're just always doing something different, having fun. So join a life group if you're not in a life group. Then it says, he is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. So Jesus is speaking to his disciples in this scripture. The disciples had not had the Holy Spirit come upon them yet. The Holy Spirit was not upon the disciples, but he was with them. Jesus said later, he's going to be in you. So if you're sitting here last week, you're like, man, what is going on? There's, we even had it this morning. About three people came forward and they were praying at the altar up here during the worship time and stuff. You're like, man, what is that? What's going on? I mean, Holy Spirit is with you if you're a Christian, but Holy Spirit has not yet begun to live in side of you. So I told you we're going to do teaching first, all right? So here's the teaching. In Exodus 20, 24, God is telling Moses something. God is telling Moses, build for me an altar made of earth and offer your sacrifices to me, your burnt offerings and peace offerings, your sheep and goats, your cattle. Build my altar wherever I cause my name to be remembered, and I will come to you and bless you. So I want to point out a couple of things in this text. Let's look at the first sentence first. He says, offer your sacrifices to me, and then there's a dash, and the two type of sacrifice the two type of sacrifices that he's talking about are two different offerings, a burnt offering and a peace offering. So before we can talk about, hey, why do people come to the altar in church and pray? Why should I do that? What's going to happen? What should I do? What should I expect? We have to understand the original context of the altar in the Old Testament. So that's why I said teacher Nick is here. So just bear with me. Take some notes. We're going to get through this together. So the first thing I want to point out is that this word sacrifice and this word offering are almost synonymous. That means they're the same thing. They mean the same thing. They're synonyms, okay? So the types of sacrifices are actually two types of offerings. So you can give a sacrificial offering, okay? Like Joe was talking about that man walking around giving money. If he's just giving somebody $5 and he's a millionaire, he's offering that person, he's offering up $5. Here, I'm offering you $5. Take it, okay? But that may not be a sacrifice to him, okay? Whereas if he only has $5 to his name, like that's it, his pockets are emptying, and he's offering that $5, he is making a sacrifice. He's having to sacrifice something. He's not going to be able to buy a hamburger later if he's giving you his last $5. So we can make an offering that's not sacrificial, but we don't want to be like that. Because King David said, no, I'm not going to give God anything that doesn't cost me something. I'm not going to give God anything that's not important to me that I didn't pay for. I'm not going to take something for free 
and give it to God. I'm going to give God something of value, something of worth, something that costs me. So as Christians, we should be giving offerings that cause us to sacrifice. We should be giving valuable offerings to God. Then in the second sentence of Exodus 20, 24, it says, build my altar wherever I cause my name to be remembered. And I pray, and I already know that Passion Church is a place where Jesus's name is remembered. That's what we're singing about all day. That's what we're praying for, is for Jesus's name to be remembered, for his love to go out to all the people of the world. And he said, I will come to you and bless you. So an altar is somewhere that Jesus' name is going to be known, that God is going to show up at that altar, and he's going to bless you when you meet him there. But let's look just a little bit closer, because we have these things we have. Let's just look at one, for example, the first one we have, the first type of sacrifice it says is a burnt offering. Okay, so let's look at a burnt offering. Uh, one type of burnt offering is actually what's called a blood sacrifice, okay? That's a pretty common one that a lot of you might be thinking about when we're talking about offerings and sacrifices. So let's look at that one. So a burnt offering or a blood sacrifice, uh, what type of animal you sacrifice depended on how much money you made, okay? Just like how much tithes and offerings you give depends on how much money you make. So it's depending on the individual's wealth, you could sacrifice a bull, a sheep, a goat, a dove, a pigeon, things like this. The reason you're doing this is for two different reasons that you would make a blood sacrifice if you were a male Israelite in the Old Testament back then, is number one, to pay the price for your sins, to make an atonement. Atonement just means paying the price for your sins. In general, just any sin, it doesn't have to be a specific sin, just in general, any sin that you may have committed. The second reason for giving a blood sacrifice is an expression of worship to your devotion and your commitment to the Lord. Okay, so you're giving a sacrifice to worship God, to show that you're devoted to him, you follow him. So people like you and me, we, we're just normal people, we would bring our offerings to the temple but the priest is actually the one that would perform the sacrifice for us, okay? He would actually slaughter the animal and sprinkle its blood on the altar and then cook the animal and eat the animal, okay? So the priest would do that for us. We'd bring the offering, but then the priest would actually do the work of the sacrifice. So preacher Nick is back, all right? So everybody learn? All right, let's go. So Jesus is our high priest. Back in the day, there used to be these men that were priests that I was just talking about that did the sacrifice. Well, now Jesus is our high priest. So Jesus is the one doing the sacrifice, and most of you already know what that sacrifice was. We'll get into that in a second. So Hebrews 4.16 says this, So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. So we said that when you come to the altar, that's where you find God's presence, right? So when you're going to God's throne, when you're getting in God's presence, what's going to happen? You're going to receive mercy. You're going to receive grace, and you're going to get help from God, okay? Every single Sunday night, we go to the jail, and Brother Tom Golick, he sings the same song every Sunday without fail, Amazing Grace, okay? Everybody knows that song. It doesn't matter if you've never been in church. It doesn't matter if you don't follow Jesus everyone. They're singing it on national TV for sporting events. They're singing Amazing Grace. 
So it doesn't matter if you sing that song, Amazing Grace. It doesn't matter if you know about it. If you're not actively going forward boldly into God's throne room and receiving his grace. We have to go in to God's presence because it says there we will receive his mercy and we will find his grace when we need it most. So if you need God's grace, you have to go to his throne room. You can't sit still. You can't stay in that same place that you are in your life and never grow and never change. You have to go forward and get closer to God. Hebrews 6, 18 through 20 says this. So God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. So that means all these scriptures that we read in the Bible. By the way, guys, you should read your Bible. All right. All these things that we read in our Bible are true because God doesn't lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have a great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. So I know I just read like a whole paragraph. So let me put all that together in one short statement. It says that we have to run to God. We have fled to God. Then we're going to hold to that hope that we find in God. And this hope is what leads us into God's inner sanctuary. So how are we going to get to the altar? How are we going to get to God's throne room? How are we going to get to a sanctuary? We have to run to God. When you run to God, you are going to find hope. And when you find hope, you're going to be brought in to God's inner sanctuary. In verse 20, the very next verse, it says, Jesus has already gone in there for us. He has become our eternal high priest in the order of Melchizedek. So it used to only be at a certain time of the year that a certain man was allowed in to God's inner sanctuary that we are talking about, was allowed into that holy of holies, was allowed past that last curtain into God's presence in his inner sanctuary. But now instead of there being a man who's sacrificing the goats and the bulls and the sheep for us and slaughtering them, instead of that we have Jesus that took that upon himself, and he is in God's presence for us. So we are now welcomed in there because of what Jesus has done. When Jesus sacrificed himself on the cross, the curtain to that inner part of this temple ripped, signifying that God's presence was now available to all men. So Jesus has already gone into that inner sanctuary, so you and I are allowed in that inner sanctuary. Well, so this sounds great. Everybody's allowed in God's presence now. All you got to do is go to God. You can run to God. You can, get in his, you can get to his altar. You can get in his inner sanctuary. You can have his presence. So why don't we do it? In Hebrews 9, 7, 10, it says this, But only the high priest ever entered the most holy place, and only once a year. And he always offered blood for his own sins and for the sins the people had committed in ignorance. By these regulations, the Holy Spirit revealed that the entrance to the most holy place was not freely open as long as the tabernacle and the system it represented were still in use. So only the holy priest went into the inner sanctuary. And only when he sacrificed something with his own hands. Well, now that Jesus has become that eternal, ultimate sacrifice for us, we no longer have to do that sort of work 
to get into God's presence. So the reason that we're not coming to the altar and going into God's inner sanctuary every single day is because we are still trying to make the sacrifice ourselves. We are still trying to be strong enough to do it on our own. And Jesus has already made the sacrifice for you. In verse 10, it says, For that old system deals only with food and drink and various cleansing ceremonies, physical regulations that were in effect only until a better system could be established. So we're still working in the old system. We're still saying, oh man, I'm not allowed in God's presence. I'm not clean enough. I've sinned. I haven't done good enough things to get close to God. I'm not allowed. If I get close to his presence, I'm going to die. He's going to see my, God already sees it. God already knows it. He knows every part of you. And if you continue to say, hey, I'm not good enough to get into God's inner sanctuary. I'm not good enough to get that close to God. Guess what? You're not. You're not. You're never going to be. That's why Jesus made the sacrifice for us. Because no matter how hard we work, no matter how much we sacrifice, we're never going to live up to God's glorious standard. But I have good news for you. The altar of God is for imperfect people. The altar of God is for imperfect perfect people. How do I know it's for imperfect people? Because in Matthew chapter 5, 23 and 24, it says this. So if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. So people that are messed up, people that have people that uh, they have things against them in their heart, that they're not loving their neighbors the way they're supposed to be loving the people around them, they're still allowed at the altar. But what this verse is saying, why Jesus gave us this scripture, is to not be fake. Don't just come up to the altar and be like, God, I'm giving you my whole life, and then turn around and don't give him your life. Be real. Be real with God. He already knows what's going on. So don't act like you're going to sacrifice something that you're really not willing to sacrifice. So if everybody is welcome at the altar and people aren't going, who does go to the altar? Well, in Psalm 43, 3 and 4, it says this, Send out your light and your truth. Let them guide me. Let them lead me to your holy mountain, to the place where you live. There I will go to the altar of God, to God, the source of all my joy, and I will praise you with my harp, O God, my God. So how do you go to the altar? By following God's light and God's truth. It says the light and the truth are going to guide you in. So as Christians, we have to shine. We have to let our light bring other people into God's presence. We have to let Jesus' truth and Jesus' love bring other people into God's presence. And when we're at that altar with God, we will find joy. It says God will be our source of joy at that altar. When we're at that altar with God, we will praise him. So we praise God at the altar. We have joy at the altar. We find his mercy at the altar. We find his grace at the altar. We are welcome there. Hebrews 10.22 says, Let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. So why are we allowed in God's presence? Because of the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. 
the work that you do with your hand, the good things that you do. Oh, you're, you're serving in the church, you're ushering, you're in the nursery, you're tithing, you're giving money, you're helping people, you're giving people rides, you're doing all these good things. That's not good enough to get you into God's presence. The only way that we are clean and allowed to be in God's presence is through the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. Well, what is Christ's eternal sacrifice? In Hebrews 13, 10 through 12, it says, we have an altar from which the priests in the tabernacle have no right to eat. Remember, the priests were the ones that used to make the sacrifice, okay? They used to eat that food that was sacrificed on the altar. But now we have an altar that they're not allowed to eat from. Under the old system, in verse 11, the high priest brought the blood of animals into the holy place as a sacrifice for sin. And the bodies of the animals were burned outside the camp. This is that sacrifice, that blood sacrifice that we talked about at the beginning. In verse 12, so also Jesus suffered and died outside the city gates to make his people holy by means of his own blood. So what Jesus did, that sacrifice that Jesus did for us, lines up with that old sacrifice in the Old Testament. This is called a typology. What that means is like something that acts like something else, okay? So the way that the priests used to slaughter animals, it's a typological leak between the blood sacrifice and the sacrifice that Jesus made for us on the cross. So men used to make this sacrifice with their hands and slaughter these animals and cook them. Well, then Jesus made a sacrifice that would last forever because Jesus was God. So his blood lasts forever, they had to sacrifice the blood. The blood is what gave the animals life. The blood is what gives humans life. So they had to sacrifice that blood. So Jesus made a blood sacrifice for us on that cross. It says that he suffered and died outside the city gates. So Jesus is 100% God. He came down to this earth. He lived on this earth. He ministered. He healed people, did miraculous things, walked on water, raised people from the dead. And eventually, he ends up in the courts, and they're falsely accusing him of these crimes that he never did. And they kill him. They hang him up on a tree, and they kill God. Well, on the third day, Jesus rose back again to live forever. He made that sacrifice on the cross so that you and me could be in God's presence and live forever with him. So if you believe those things that I just said, and you say out loud that you believe that you trust that Jesus is who he is, then you are saved. For it's by believing in your heart that you are saved, it's by saying it out loud with your mouth that you're right with God. So if you believe those things, then you can have a relationship with God. You can come forward into God's presence. You can kneel at God's altar and worship him and praise him because he made the sacrifice that allows you into his presence. In Hebrews chapter 13, beginning at verse 15 says, therefore, let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to his name. So what kind of sacrifice does God want from us? God wants us to praise him. God wants us to tell people, hey, I follow Jesus. I live for him. Come, follow me when I follow God. Come alongside with me. Yeah. Verse 16 says, and don't forget to do good and to share with those 
in need. These are the sacrifices that please God. So what other sacrifices does God want from us? He wants us to do good things. He wants us to help people. He wants us to share with others. He wants us to take care of people that have needs and need stuff. This is how we sacrifice. This is how we praise God. Then in verse 17, it says, Obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. Their work is to watch over your souls, and they are accountable to God. Give them reason to do this with joy and not with sorrow. That would certainly not be for your benefit. So our spiritual leaders really aren't telling us to do that much. They're saying, hey, what's Pastor Guy say every week? Read your Bible. Come to church. Bring people to church. Pray. Go to a life group. Do these good things, right? If Pastor Guy is telling us to do these things, he's our spiritual leader. And the Word of God says, obey the spiritual leader. Make it easy on him. Don't make it hard on him. So guess what? We got a next step class today at 1.30. So if you've never been through the next step classes, come back at 1.30 today and find out more about your purpose and what God has planned for you. If you're like, hey, man, I'm a superstar Christian. I already do those things. I already obey my spiritual leaders. I read my Bible. I pray. Well, good. Come pray with us this Tuesday night at 6.30. If you're already doing everything else, come on. We need you here. We need your help. So we need to bring these good offerings, these good sacrifices to God. In Deuteronomy chapter 26, verse 2, it says, Put some of the first produce from each crop you harvest into a basket and bring it to the designated place of worship. The place the Lord your God chooses for his name to be honored. So we're taking our best. We're taking the first thing that we have and giving it to God. We're not giving God what's left over. If I get all my work done today, then I'll read my Bible. If I get all my work done today, then I'll help somebody. No, we're giving God our best. We're giving God our first. In verse 4 it says, The priest will then take the basket from your hand and set it before the altar of the Lord your God. So we need to bring our best into God's presence. We need to bring our best to the altar. In verse 11 of Deuteronomy 26 it says, Afterward you may go and celebrate because of all the good things the Lord your God has given to you and your household. Remember to include the Levites and the foreigners living among you in the celebration. So at God's altar, we're supposed to bring good offerings, the best that we have. We're supposed to include others, and we're supposed to celebrate. We got to be happy that we get to be in God's presence. See, God wants things from us that are valuable. He doesn't want us to give him something that's inconsequential that we don't care about. One of my most valuable things is time. In Luke 2:37, there's this prophetess, and her name is Anna, and she lives in the temple, and it says that she never leaves. She never left church, all right? She lived as a widow to the age of 84, stayed in the church day and night, worshiping God, fasting, and prayer. So you bring your time to God. You give God the best of your time. You give God the best of your work, the best of the talents, the best of your skills and your abilities, you dedicate your time to him at the altar. And if she wasn't there, if she wasn't always in God's presence, if she wasn't living in that church, she wouldn't have seen Jesus come in at 10 days old. When his parents come in to do a ceremony with him, she wouldn't have been there. What else happens at an altar? At an altar, you hear from God. 1 John 5, 14 says, And we are confident that he hears us, Whenever we ask for anything that pleases him. 
When you pray, when you talk to God, he hears you. Jeremiah 33, 3 says, Ask me, and I will tell you remarkable secrets you do not know about things to come. You can hear from God. Can you hear from God anywhere? Absolutely. Can you be in God's presence anywhere? Absolutely. Can you offer things, worship God, praise God, be in his grace and his mercy and sacrifice for him anywhere? Absolutely. But there's something special about setting aside a time and a place to be in God's presence. Because if you don't have a place, an altar to get in God's presence, then you're not in his presence. You want to know how I know? Some of my accountability partners are sitting in this room right now. They know when I read the Bible. Somebody say it. When do I read the Bible, guys? Help me out. Every day, day, 5 o'clock in the morning. Right? Guess what? My dad's one of my accountability partners. When does he read the Bible? He's driving down the road. He don't even look at the road. No, he's listening to it. He's a truck driver, so he listens to it. He listens to the audio Bible when he's driving. Josiah, is, me and Josiah hold each other accountable. When did Josiah read the Bible? Late at night. All you guys are already asleep. Josiah's a night person. I'm a morning person. So every night he's reading his Bible before he goes to sleep. Every morning I'm waking up and reading my Bible as soon as I get up. I know where these men, Big Joe, he reads in the morning. He reads every single morning. I know when these men are reading their word. I know when they are dedicating time to get into God's presence. If you don't know where your altar is, if you don't know where you're spending time getting into God's presence, you're not doing it. Can you sit in that purple chair and pray? Yeah, sure you can. Absolutely. But why did God give us this altar? Why did he give us this special time? Have you ever talked to somebody, they get back from like a Christian conference or a camp or some crazy weekend service, and they're all fired like, man, it was awesome. God was there. He moved everything the speaker said. It was speaking right to me. My prayers were answered. It was amazing. It's not so special that they just went to this event or they went to this church or they went to this conference. What's special is they set aside their time and their money and their energy to seek God. So what I'm saying this morning is we need to set aside time to seek God. We need to set aside places in our life. We need to set aside the altar in the church that's already set aside for this to seek God. So yeah, you can pray anytime. You can have an encounter with God anywhere, but he is here right now. He is speaking to you right now and wanting you to come forward. It says, run to the inner sanctuary and you will meet God and you will receive his mercy and you will receive his grace. We look for answers everywhere else in the universe. But the God that created all of this is here, prepared and ready to give us these answers when we ask him. One trip to the altar of a church changed my entire life. I was sitting in a church, a storefront building just like this one, not a church building. The lead pastor wasn't preaching just like today. Somebody else was preaching. And they said, If you want to receive the Holy Spirit of God, come to the front. And I went forward, and if I did not walk to the front of that church that day, my life would be totally different right now. I'd still be running around selling drugs, doing terrible, evil, wicked things with every moment of my life. 
But because I chose to run to God, get in his presence, go to his altar, get into his inner sanctuary, my life changed forever. One moment can change your entire life. Now, this doesn't mean we're living off of feelings. This doesn't mean we're trying to hype something up and make something crazy happen here. But what it is, is that one moment can propel you forward into the rest of your life. And you have to keep doing those practical things. You can't just be running to this altar every week and that's it. No, you got to read the word of God for yourself. You got to pray for yourself. But your family is here to help you and to build you up. And all of us together, all 50 of us chose and say, on Sunday morning, no matter what's going on in our life right now, I could be working a second job, getting money. I could be doing something else with my family. I could be taking care of things. We set aside this time, and we said right now at 1030 on a Sunday morning, we are going to give ourselves totally and completely to God. We are going to be a living sacrifice. This is truly the way to please God, is giving him all of ourselves. So that Sunday morning changed my entire life. I walked up to the altar, and the men prayed for me, and I received God's Holy Spirit. And I can't even describe to you what happened to me when I walked to the front of the altar, because that's like trying to explain the colors to a blind man. What does red look like to somebody that's blind? That's like trying to explain a delicious dessert of chocolate brownies to somebody that doesn't have any taste bud. I don't know how to do it. That's like trying to explain the best music in the world to somebody who's deaf. I don't know how to communicate this message, but the living God right here wants you to have an encounter with him. The living God has more for you than what you have seen up to this point. Because we read in John chapter 14, Jesus said, the Holy Spirit is with you now, but later he will be in you. So normally, remember we talked about expectations, right? Normally, at the end of a sermon like this, the pastor is going to say, hey, if anybody in here hasn't given their life to Jesus, come forward. Well, we'll get to that later. I'm not going to do that yet. Why should I ask people who aren't following Jesus to walk to the front of a room and get embarrassed in front of a crowd of people if the Christians aren't going to do it? So if you're a Christian and you love Jesus and you want to seek God, you can just come to the altar right now. listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.